Hello, friends, and welcome back to the For the Well of It podcast. Today, we're shifting gears a little bit, and we are exploring a topic that may be of interest to you and something that you may not have considered probably as a component of your overall personal wellness. We are talking money and financial wellness with Emily King. Emily King is a wealth and abundance coach for entrepreneurial women, and she's founder of the Rich Woman Signature Coaching Program. Since 2015, she's worked with hundreds of women to help them create a loving relationship with money so that they can massively increase their income and impact. Armed with an MBA, certifications as an NLP practitioner, timeline therapist, and a Pilates instructor, Emily brings the perfect mix of manifesting woo and business chops to the table to help women across the world live their best rich woman lives, a life of financial freedom, fulfillment, and fun. Welcome, Emily. <laughs> Thank you. Quite Look the at that. intro. So you do so many things. <laughs> it's really cool. Even when I was reading that, I was like, I can't wait to talk about all of this stuff that you do. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, who's that you're talking about? She sounds great. <laughs> she sounds so cool. <laughs> so first of all, Emily has this uh, financial money coaching business. And I just want to say before we begin this chat that I'm actually actually not, or, or maybe not yet a client of Emily's. So I'm asking these questions genuinely. I'm excited. I'm a follower of Emily's on Instagram. We just realized a couple of minutes ago that we're Instagram besties. So we're <laughs> going to have a great discussion and dive into all things finances. Let me start with this, Emily, given the global pandemic this year and the year we've had like economic crises, job loss, businesses shut down either temporarily permanently. There's so much going on that impacts people's financial state this year in particular. Mm -hmm. So what's your opinion or how would you consider your financial situation to impact your overall wellness? Given the COVID situation? Well, more especially, I guess this year, right? So do you yeah. believe that your financial state or your financial position or your financial stresses or worries or problems or your financial freedom has an impact on your personal wellness? A hundred and ten percent because it, and this is just not a random stat I'm making up. The research has shown that financial stress is the number one stress in Canadians. Wow. And almost, I think it's like 48% of Canadians report like losing sleep each night over financial stress. Wow. Like it beats health stress, stress, it beats relationship stress, uh, work stress, financial stress is the number one. So I find it so interesting and like fascinating. And like, that's why I want to get more of my work out into the world, how money is such a typically a taboo topic, right? Yeah. But it's such an integral part of life. And yet it's just kind of like the thing we put in the corner, like, let's not talk about it. Let's not, you yes. know, do anything about it. <laughs> Let's pretend yeah. it doesn't exist. And I think yeah. on, on that same uh, thought process there, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like then the, the relationship stress or the, the work stress, it's all kind of sometimes can tie back to financial stress. That's yep. kind of the root of it all often. And I forget now, but I feel like uh, financial stress is either the number one or number two, um, like 
I wouldn't say reason of divorce, but definitely like influence ah. of divorce. Yeah. I forget now which one it is, but it's yeah, a fire it's starter in a bad yeah. way, <laughs> yeah. in a bad way. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about, first of all, because this is probably the barrier and this is the problem, probably the reason for the, the blowups and the poor communication around money, but how do we create a positive money relationship? I think some of us are raised you know, you hear the phrases as you grow up, money is the root of all evil, or Mm -hmm. don't touch debt. Don't go into debt. You'll never get out the hamster wheel, all these ads on the radio about, you know, about, um, trying to refinance or trying to refigure or bankruptcy and all of these things. It's, I think a lot of people feel that there's a lot of weight behind money, whether you're in an abundance place or you're in a stressful place of scarcity when it comes to money. I think sometimes it's just, it's overwhelming. It's stressful it's hard. So how do we make friends with money? Oh, I love that question. Okay. So many things. I'm like, we got three hours. Like yeah, you take your time. This is your jam. You dig in. I will kick back. Right. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is compassion for yourself because more times than not, when I talk to people about their relationship with money, it's one that isn't great where they're like all the things you listed, like, I don't like it. It's root of all evil. I'm you know, my, my, it broke some people. It's like, you know, it broke up my family Mm -hmm. if they had, you know, a gambling addict or like, I've, I've seen it all. Right. And so they just blame the money. So really starting with that compassion for yourself of like, okay, (laughs) like clean slate, deep breath. What do I want my relationship with money to look like and feel like? And there's a really good exercise. I actually get my clients to do that. I'll share with your listeners because it's really helpful, which is well, number one, I love how you call it the money relationship, because that's what I like to, to have my clients thinking of it as is it like an actual romantic relationship that you have. Uh-huh. And so what I get my clients to do is I say, okay, I want you to think of someone that you love dearly and like, give me their name. So say it's Pam. Okay, perfect. Pam, Pam's your best friend. You love her dearly. What are all the qualities that you love about your relationship with Pam? Okay. Maybe like, she's very trusting. She's very loyal. We have so much fun together. She's always there for me, blah, blah, blah. So you get out like say a dozen qualities of this relationship that you love, this actual real human relationship. Mm -hmm. And then from there, what I do is I read back all the things they just told me, but I replace it with money. So I say, you and money have such a trusting relationship. You and money have ah. so much fun. <laughs> you and money are, are always there for each other. And then their eyes just kind of go like, what? Like, like whoa, <laughs> that hits a little different, doesn't it? <laughs> right? Yeah. And then from there I say, okay, what of these qualities do you feel are missing from your relationship with money? And typically I'll get to them, them to pick like two or three. And then I'll say, okay, work on those. Because if it's really valuable to you in a human relationship, that's what's going to be really value, valuable to you in a financial relationship. Mm-hmm. So for me, one of my top values is fun. Like I want to have a lot of fun with my friends. Like that's one of my top values. And I know for me, my tendency can be a money hoarder, <laughs> like get the money, hoard it, like don't spend any of it, like no fun, you know, because I grew up with the, the parents who were like squabbling over bills and we've gone on budget and you can't have that. And like very lack mindset. So in taking those qualities, I then asked myself, okay, how can I allow myself to have more fun with money or insert whatever the quality is for whoever's listening. And it can be just the smallest thing. Like, um, even like allowing myself to get like pizza for dinner or something like, you know right. what? 
Yeah. Had a great week. Like allow myself to spend the 20 bucks on pizza and not freak out about, you know, the $20 going out the window or whatever. I think it's like, I mean, we're laughing and, and that sounds funny, but in reality and in our everyday practice, it's not because if you grow up in a home like that, where you hear about, yeah. oh, we, but we can't afford to do that right now. Or why are you spending money on that? Or why are you doing that? Then it's hard to outgrow those kind of feelings. Like it's, yeah. it's instantly anxiety provoking spending yeah. can be for people. So I think that's a really valid point. The way you're raised has a big impact on how you view money. Oh, hundred percent. Cause I like to, I like to like kind of share it this way. You come into the world, you're essentially a blank slate, mm-hmm. really. Like you come on out, you're like, what's this whole world about? So in NLP, we call it the imprint period, like age zero to seven, where you're, you're essentially like a sponge, just absorbing everything and anything. And, and you're making up what things mean. Right. And the interesting thing is, well, the, the interesting thing, thing, and the really powerful thing is that if we've made it up to begin with, and it's not working out for us, we can make up a different story. Mm. Meaning if somebody's made up the story of money breaks families apart, or it's not safe to be rich, or there's never going to be enough. You made that up at some point, and it might feel very, very true to you. Maybe you, maybe somebody listening here really had it hard and like, could not like have like put $2 together to get whatever they needed. Right. So may, as, as true as it felt for them, there's also on the flip side, another story that can be created. So no matter if it's like, I'm not meant to be wealthy or whatever it might be, just, just kind of acknowledge of that's the story I made up and what would I like to believe instead? And I'm not here to say they got to go out into the world and go, I'm rich and I'm wealthy and whatever, like money loves me, but it's just really bringing that awareness to what's the story that I've created And to your point of like, we grow up hearing these things and we kind of take it on for ourselves is a really powerful technique or tool that I give my clients is just simply to ask themselves when they're finding themselves in stress or judgment around money or whatever it might be, it's ask themselves, who does this belong to? Whose belief does this belong to? Yeah. Is this mine or is this something that I took from my parents when I overheard an argument when I was eight years old? Exactly. Because I know when, when my financial abundance started to expand, um, my, I grew up with like, you work hard for your money. And the other thing was apparently my grandfather, he passed away before I was even born, but apparently he said to my dad, if you ever have any money, hide it because people can't know you're rich. Otherwise you'll be a target, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, really like live the average status quo life. Like don't do anything wild and crazy. So when I started to take more vacations than normal and travel a lot and that, because it's very like top priority priority for me. Uh, I remember a guy at work back when I was still working my nine to five, he said to me, he said, Oh, it must be nice to be going on another trip. There's a lot of that kind of chatter. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, we're, we're going to get there, but we're here. Um, I wonder your opinion on that. So is that insecurity or is that just their own uncomfortable financial issues? Because I really don't think that people care. Like If you, Emily, as a colleague, as a friend, if you are financially secure for the rest of your life, I'm happy for you. (laughs) I don't want to take that away from you. (laughs) I don't want to dismiss that. I don't want to make you feel bad about that. You know what I mean? So do people genuinely by saying, oh, must be nice. Are they trying to hurt Mm -hmm. you or is it something inside of them? Sure. There's probably those, you know, people out there who are going (laughs) to be those little instigators and, you know, but for the, generally speaking, I think people genuinely are like not trying to hurt you and they're just projecting their limiting beliefs out on you. And so the beautiful thing is, and, and I get this a lot, especially with, with partner relationships where 
one might be doing the work on their money mindset and then they find their partner isn't on board with them. I'll really just essentially say to like, have patience with it. Cause like they're dealing with their stuff. Right. Right. And everybody deals with it differently. Like I know my husband and I work because we're so different. I mean, yeah. our, our marriage in general, in general and co-parenting yeah. and all that stuff. We work because we're so different. We complement each other. He's yeah. very, he's very, very factual. I'm very feeling and it, together it yeah. works, but yeah. we're not always at the same place at the same time. Yeah. And that's where like on a little side note, side tangent, that's where like one of my trainings I did um, was actually as a sacred money archetypes coach. So basically mm-hmm. that all that to say, I basically studied and understood there's eight different money personalities. And that was eye-opening for me because I was like, okay, it's, we're not all one size fits all when it comes to money. We're all very unique in how we approach money and one's not right or wrong. It just is what it is. And we just, in knowing our money personality better and understanding it, it gives us that more compassion and allows us to understand ourselves better and understand other people better as well. Oh, that's interesting. How do we yeah. read up on that? Where do we find that? <laughs> um, on my website, there's like, it's a little mini course called the money code. Uh, okay. It's my website, emilyking.ca. Um, yeah. So it's like a little mini, I think it's like $27 or something like that. If, if your audience wants to go check it out. Um, very interesting. That, yeah. It's like an assessment that you do. And then from there, there's like a whole bunch of like modules and worksheets and all that kind of stuff that I provide you to really dig deeper into understanding your personality. Um, but going back to the must be nice example for a second is the beautiful thing is people like, like if we know this is, this is embedded stuff, mm-hmm. we have to have like patience with it and not be so, um, sensitive react. Yeah. Like yeah. reactive. And like, you can't say that like, yes, I get it. We're human. And maybe we're going to get triggered by certain things. Right. But in the case of the co- colleague who said, oh, must be nice. I literally just said back to him. I was like, yeah, it is really nice. It's super nice. <laughs> I love going to a sandy beach. It's super yeah. nice. <laughs> right. And the cool thing is the wonderful thing in doing this work is being able to observe, for example, my parents' money blocks um, and them seeing me evolve and overcome these things. It's been really amazing to see them do so as well. So now they go on more vacations. They allow themselves ah. to indulge a little more. They don't have as much judgment. I mean, they throw in the little jab here and there just because of their old programming. Like right. I like to treat myself to hold hotel stays every now and then just a, as a little me retreat. And I remember I did one, um, just a couple months ago and my mom once again was like, Oh, why are you staying in a hotel for? She's like 10 minutes down the road. Can't you just stay at your house? And I'm like, it's not the point. <laughs> no, it's a thing I do for me, my wellness, yeah. my clarity, my creativity, sometimes switching up your, your scenery and all those things. So yeah. do you, so you obviously think that this is something that is coachable. It's something that oh, you can 100%. change. You can't like, you can teach this old dog new tricks. For example. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's raising that awareness and well, one is, and maybe you've heard or experienced this example before, and I'll just give it to your listeners is, and I got it from Tony Robbins is where if I ask you to look around the room and find everything that's blue, let's just say, so you look around, look around, find everything that's blue. Okay. And then you come back to me and then I say, okay, tell me everything you saw that was yellow. You, you, yeah. had, you got a hard time doing so. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because you see what you want to see. Exactly. So there's this wonderful part of the brain, it's abbreviated as RAS, the reticular activating yeah. system. Is it system? Yep. I forget now. Yeah. Um, 
that essentially is like the filter for the brain saying, pay attention to this. Don't pay attention to that because right. otherwise we have like, we'd be bombarded and we'd just be like in bed, like paralyzed. Like, what do I think? <laughs> <laughs> Overstimulus. Yeah. What stimulus? So it's like the filter. And so this RAS is we've programmed it with these beliefs to say, um, you know, just using like money's root of all evil, or I'll never be wealthy or one step forward, two steps back. So our brain is going, okay, you want me to find one step forward, two steps back. Perfect. Look at that bill that you just got. And look at that, um, added expense. Like your kids want to sign up for gymnastics now or whatever. Like now you're behind it. Like it'll find the evidence to prove it to you to say, yep, you're exactly right. I, we are with you on that belief. So it comes with really playing with it. And once again, really having that compassion, judgment-free zone, guilt-free zone, no shame zone of just like, what would I like to believe instead? So maybe if you feel, if someone's listening is like, I just suck with money. <laughs> like I'm yeah. so bad with it. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe a better thought might just be every day I'm getting a little bit better, just a mm-hmm. little bit better with my money. Perfect. Now you're training your brain to think, okay, we're getting better with money. So maybe instead of getting the bills and shoving them in a drawer unopened, like, nope, not going to look at it. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe you decide, right. Maybe Mm -hmm. you decide I'm going to open it and look at it. And so your brain starts to go, okay, you are getting better at this. So it really becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, but the, you got to be the start of that change of that self-fulfilling prophecy for yourself. Yes. I love that. And that's a lot what we do here. It's like, you may look at when I post the whiteboard of the workout we're going to do tomorrow morning, you might look at it and feel a little bit intimidated by it, but how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So one bite-sized chunk at a time and you can do it. And then with that, you build your own momentum and you build, you take your power back in that situation a little bit. So talk to me a little bit about, and I know you, you work a lot with entrepreneurs. So Mm -hmm. this is a fitting question for entrepreneurs, because as anybody who's an entrepreneur knows things ebb and flow, things are never the same. It's not like you're in a nine to five for, for 30 years. It's a little bit different for an entrepreneur, but how do you get yourself from a scarcity mindset when it comes to money to an abundance mindset? Like, how do you allow that for yourself? If you're coming from a place of feeling very under the gun with money for a long time? Hmm. I feel, okay. I really like that question because I feel in the entrepreneur world, sometimes it can feel like a defeat if somebody gets a part-time job or even has a part or a full-time job whilst building their business. And I'm like, no shame in whatever you got to do to like make it work for you. Yeah. Right. Maybe alleviate some pressure along the way. Exactly. And everyone coming back to that money personality thing, like everyone's going to be different. So one of my top personalities is the accumulator. So that's that like natural inner banker that like loves the security and safety of money. Like no one touch Mm -hmm. it. Thank you very much. It helps me sleep at night. (laughs) So when I made the transition, for example, like I, I waited, it was a little, like, it was a little dance that I had with the universe, if you will, of like, I, you know, put my foot forward in my business. And once the money and the financial stability started to come in consistently ish, like a few months, then I was like, okay, I'm going to cut back to part-time in my, in my business, in my, um, full-time job. So I went 20 hours yeah. and then I went 10 hours and then I went zero hours. Yeah. So, whereas I know some people out there, their personality is just like, throw me into it because if I just get thrown into it, I will make it work. Right. And so I know people who have just straight up quit their nine to five and, and then under that pressure have made it work. So it's going to be different for everyone, but really like, don't, uh, yeah. Coming back to like, don't feel ashamed if you need 
to have another avenue to make things work. Like, right. It's like you do you boo. <laughs> right. But how do you get out from like, even the anxiety of money? If you've been in a pressured place for a long time, how do you mm-hmm. kind of say, no, I allow myself to make money. I allow myself to enjoy my money. I allow myself because I, th- I think that can be a really hard thing for people. Oh, totally. Especially yeah. Especially if you come from a, a, a life of struggle and, and things yes. change. So I would be willing to that bet that probably 99.9, if not hundred percent of the people that are going to be listening to this or watching this or whatever are wealthy to it comparatively to the rest of the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we can, it's just like, you know, what you focus on, you'll find. And so we can, yes, maybe on paper, somebody might be in $50,000 of debt and like got the bank after them because you know, they're late on their mortgage payment or whatever it is. What I would say to get out of that scarcity mindset is it's, yes, I know that reality might be staring some people in the face and it might not look great or feel great, but we have to change even the slightest thing in terms of feeling abundant. Meaning if someone's in like a dire situation around money, just look like, if I look around my room right now, um, you can witness the abundance that's around you. So it could be as simple as like, okay, this bed that I'm sitting on or the chair that's in my room or whatever it might be. Like, look at all the abundance that's around me. It looked like the heat that's right. on me. It's a little too hot today, but yeah, <laughs> like, yeah no, so- I like that because you may be, for example, you may have just gotten a surprise bill or you may feel very under the gun to make a minimum payment on a credit card, for example. But yeah. if you look around and say, but I can eat tonight, but I have a yeah. warm bed to sleep in tonight, but things can change. Things are ever changing. Things will change. Yeah. And be careful of the never enough mentality Uh, because the the ego can be like, I know you got food on the table, but you can't do this. Like you can't do that. So what I would recommend is to really embed. I am supported. I am wealthy in some way mm -hmm. is for people to write out what are 20 ways that I'm wealthy right now. And it could be, you know, I have food on the table. Well, that's a good one. That's a good yeah. one for a little bit of a mindset shift. I like that. Yeah. And yeah. if they want, if they really want to go, if like your audience wants to go like real into this, like make yourself do that every day for yeah. like a week or something that'll shift your mindset. Cause coming back to that RAS, what you focus on, you'll find all of a sudden you'll start to, you'll start to notice the abundance that is around you mm-hmm. and you won't feel as lack anymore. And then in just shifting, even if it's like 10% feeling better about your, your money or your abundance, whatever you want to call it, is it'll, it'll tap into a different resource within you to give you a diff- different action and a different um, response, if you will. So it's kind of like, obviously you're in fitness. It's, it's like if somebody showed up and said, I'm 50 pounds overweight, I suck at working out, you know, I can't do, you know, what's on the whiteboard there today. Mm-hmm. If you said, like you said earlier, just like, give me one little thing, like just start, like do the first set of squats or whatever it might be. Yeah. Let's just start there. So they get a little win. And then that little win starts to tap into that resource within them that says, maybe I can do this. Right. And so from a potential point of view, instead of going like on zero to 10 and potential, like at like a, probably like a zero or one before Mm -hmm. now they've gone up to like two or three of like, I'm going to tap into that more potential within me that knows, you know, I know I haven't worked out or I'm 50 pounds overweight or whatever it might be. And I'm, I feel really out of shape, but I'm just going to do a little something here. Yes. Right. And then it starts that momentum. And then before they know it, they're like rocking the workouts and they're like, 
your best cheerleader. <laughs> I love that because another thing that we say around here is that you may not like the situation that you're in today, but you want to honor those feelings with action. Yeah. So see yourself, validate yourself. It is what it is. And what do we do to get to a better place? What steps do we yeah. take? So your example earlier, don't avoid getting the mail or don't avoid shoving the bills in a drawer. Instead, face it head on one little thing that you can do today, like paying a hundred dollars is better than paying zero dollars. Paying $20 is better than paying zero dollars on your yeah. debts. There's speaking of that, a really great resource for your audience to go check out is on my website under the blog. I share, it's a completely free video on how I paid off $10,000 of debt in one month. Wow. And, one month. And I, yeah. And I know that number might be like outrageous for some take whatever number that you're like, that, mm -hmm. you know, fits for them. But essentially what it is, is, you know, to kind of spoil, spoil it here is what I did was what's called the dollar a day method that I made up. So I realized that debt is a very heavy thing for most people. And there's a lot of shame and I shouldn't be in debt and yep. guilt and what have you. So to your point, like face it head on, head on, just do whatever you can was years ago. I was like, okay, every day I'm going to put at least $1 on my debt. Cause that way I am facing it head on. I'm logging in, transferring money over to the debt and saying like, you're not controlling me anymore. I'm controlling you. Yes. Right. I love that. And, and then what happens from there is it started to open up the um, abundance mindset, if you will, or like the opportunities for money. So for example, it was completely random. We had sold a house years prior and the lawyer's office messaged me to say that they owed me like $57 or something like that. I'm like, perfect. Give me the check, put it right on my debt. Mm -hmm. And then my husband happened to get a bonus at work. I forget, it might've been a few thousand dollars now. Perfect. Put it on the debt. So before I know it, instead of, because here's what would happen otherwise is say my husband gets his bonus. If we weren't focused on paying off the debt, that would have been spent on something else. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm facing my debt head on and really like giving it some love and attention every single day. I was chipping away more and more at it. And it was a minimum of a dollar that I had to put on it. And then these extra little bonuses, if you will, from the universe allowed me to pay off $10,000 of debt in one month. And I know that might not be realistic for some people listening, but even at like for some people out there, $500 might be right. Magical. You can scale that to any situation. It's like a, what's a heavy deadlift. Well, I don't know for me, a heavy deadlift <laughs> is 200 pounds for you. It might be 500 pounds. It's different. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> scale it yeah. to your situation or it might be five pounds. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I love that. You mentioned a little bit earlier, you said the word money block. Explain oh, yeah. to us what a money block is. Oh yeah. I keep forget. I it's, it's like so ingrained in me that when people are like, I don't know what a money block is. I'm like, Oh, money block <laughs> let me tell you what a money block is. <laughs> yeah. So a money block is any limiting belief we have around money that blocks it from coming into our lives. So we've mentioned a bunch of them here already. Like uh, I'm not, it could be, I'm not educated enough to be wealthy. Um, mm -hmm. even something like it breaks my heart to hear this one, but like, I'm not pretty enough to be right. rich. You know, I often hear I'm too overweight to do X, Y, Z, or yeah. I'm too out of shape to do this, or I give up on myself. Like this kind of stuff that's, that has a lot to do, first of all, with self-care and self-love, but yeah. <laughs> carry on. Yeah. So in your, in your world, like we would call them health blocks, essentially, like if they come in, like I'm too, or I'm too old. Yeah. to get into good shape now. Well, that's not going to help you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So it's these, like, it's kind of like this wall that we put up 
that makes it that much more difficult for ourselves to feel abundant, to feel supported financially. And so what we want to do is really observe them and, and call them out. And, and once again, going back to like, who does this belong to? Is this mine? Did I get this from my, mm-hmm. my mother, my grandmother, whatever it might be? And is it ultimately true? Is it like in your case, like with your clients, is it ultimately true? Say you have a client who's saying I'm too old. Is it ultimately true that you are too old to get into shape? Would you bet me a million dollars on right. that? Yes. And the answer is no. That's right. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So they feel so true because for most of us, we've been living them for so long that it's just like our identity is just part of us. Like I'm too old for this, or I can't do that. I hear it in my world, like in the entrepreneur world where they're like, I'm too old to start my business or whatever, or, you know, no one will listen to me because I'm 50 odd years old. And like, they want to listen to someone who's 30 odd years old. And funny on the flip side of that, then you'll get 30 year olds saying, I'm too young. The older people, right. you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. limiting beliefs. Yeah, exactly. So we call them money blocks in my world. And yeah, we just, with, with the work that I do with my clients, we just call them out, challenge them, rewrite a new one. See, because you can, you can't change what's happened to here to today, but you Mm -hmm. can rewrite the story going forward. And that's, it's so cool to hear this from a money coach as well. And, and, and hear it from this perspective, because it's, it's obviously different from what I do. We're both coaches. It's different from what I do, but it seems like the values and the approaches and the successes are very similar. Yeah. And I want to add one thing before I forget is that you can't shame your way to change. Uh, You can't shame your way to change. I always say you can't hate yourself to a better life. So very similar. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And so that's why in, actually I should really back up like to, to your point of like, how do we go from scarcity to, you know, abundance is forgiveness. There's, oh, a, I love yeah. That. Cause if you're, if you're sitting there, cause I, I even just heard some, from someone the other day saying, um, you know, I feel really bad because when my, when my mother passed away, I inherited a lot of money and I spent it all and now I'm in debt. Mm-hmm. And so there was like so much shame around that. And, but if she goes the rest of her life saying, I don't deserve to have money. My mom gave me this and I blew it all, blah, blah, blah. She's never going to find herself in a financially like wealthy position. So it really starts with that forgiveness of, you know, I love myself anyway, I forgive myself. And, you know, there's a really simple forgiveness method or technique or whatever you want to call it. Um, It's called, it's mouthful. It's called Ho'oponopono. (laughs) Yeah, it's a a Hawaiian, ancient Hawaiian forgiveness technique. That's just simply four statements. um, And I might mix up the order here, but I believe it's, um, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So you take whatever situation's going on. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And I, and I love how the thank you is in there as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause it's thanking the situation for, thank you for the lessons. Yeah, exactly. For the growth. So I, yeah. uh, my first experience with a credit card, I was at the TSC at Mun, and my cousin said, you see those people over there, they're giving away credit cards. It's free money. So yeah. I went and got one. <laughs> it was yeah. a $5 limit <laughs> and I, it cost me so much money. Like it right. took me years. I was a student. I didn't have yeah. any income and I didn't understand that it was going to be that plus 30% plus. Yeah. It's easy to spend $500. Like I really didn't know. I wish I had had that money education at a younger age because then that created some anxieties that lasted a long time, lasted a really long time. And shame was a part of that. 
Yeah. So that's really interesting that you said that. And I love that piece about how healing has to be a part of it. You have to, you know, feel the feelings. Yes. But then grow forward. And it's, this is, you are speaking my money in my, you are speaking my language. <laughs> this is my jam. This is yeah. my jam. So on, on the same topic of debt, according to a study by the Fraser Institute that I read that was published in February of this year, yep. Canadians have a growing debt burden. Yeah. Um, especially post COVID it's been, mm -hmm. it's been accentuated big time. Newfoundland and Labrador has the highest combined debts per person closely oh, wow. followed by Ontario. Okay. So if our listeners to this episode right now are struggling in this specific way, like they feel very burdened by their, their personal debt load. First of all, mm -hmm. I want to say, um, you're not alone, obviously if yeah. Newfoundland has this problem, you're not alone, but if they feel like they're stuck on that hamster wheel, what advice would you give just to get started? The first thing I would say is look at it because face it. I, from my experience working with clients with debt, like nine times out of 10, they don't even, they don't even know the true reality of it. Yes. I've right? heard that many times that the people who are in debt have no idea how much, cause you turn a blind eye. You're managing probably several different pots or yep. mismanaging several yep. different pots. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just like the ignorance is bliss. They know it's there for most of the people I work with. They're at least like paying the minimum. They're like, okay, I pay my 150 a month on it. I don't, I don't know what what's in there. Like, don't mm -hmm. make me look at it. It's like right. the monster under the bed. Yeah. But just like when you're a kid, if you thought there was a monster on, under the bed and your parent came in and turned on the lights, all of a sudden so much more re relief. Like you're like, right. same thing. Like, that is not a monster under the bed. Turn on the lights. Not as bad as you think. And the good news is, the good news for your listeners is, uh, in addition to that, nine times out of 10, it's not as bad as people think it is. Oh, so they're that's like, good for people. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I find more times than not, my clients are pleasantly surprised when I'm like, all right, let, let's pull it all out. Let's look at your interest rates. Like, give me all, you know, this, the numbers. And then they're like, oh, like, that's not as bad as I thought it was. I'm like, okay, good first start, right? <laughs> yeah. There's some confidence right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. And there's a little, a little hack, if you will, um, debt paying off hack that's called the snowball effect. And I think Dave Ramsey created this. Um, we're essentially to get that momentum. Let's say, let's say somebody has a $10,000 debt and a $1,000 debt for something else and a $22,000 debt for whatever. Say they have three debts going on. You take, even if the smallest debt has the highest interest or sorry, smallest debt has the lowest interest rate. So typically like logically speaking, pay off your highest interest rate, um, debt first, mm -hmm. but the snowball method, um, goes with the approach of payoff number wise, whatever the smallest amount is, because let's say someone has a thousand dollar debt and somebody has a $10,000 debt. If they're trying to chip away at the $10,000 debt forever, they they'll feel like they're making no progress. Whereas if they start with a thousand dollar one, even if it financially doesn't make the most sense to pay off first, if you get it paid off first, you feel like, Oh, I did Relief. it. Like, yeah, look that at me go on done and dusted. Yeah. yeah. Done. Yeah. And then they can move on to the next one. So it's called the snowball method. If your listeners want to look it up. And That's just, interesting. I like that because yeah. I can see how that would give you a bit of mental clarity and a little bit of, um, you'd feel like more confident in your ability maybe to take yeah. care of it. Like that was there and now it's not. And because I took care of it, I love that. Yeah. 
I love that. So without, I mean, we don't want you to give away here the goodness that you offer in your programming, but tell me a little <laughs> bit about this concept yeah. of money manifestation, because I would love, and I think all of our listeners would love to manifest a couple cool million dollars here right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be really, really swell. So just yeah. fill me in on what this means. Like make me understand, educate me. Yeah. So we've like been touching on elements of it here today, but essentially like what manifest, like we're constantly manifesting. What I mean by manifesting is like creating a reality essentially. Okay. Um, we're constantly manifesting whether we realize it or not unconsciously or consciously. So when you can kind of tap into some fun with it is when you consciously make the decision of this is what I would like my reality look to look like instead, because so often I'm guilty of this as well. So often we see things worse than they are. We like project into the future of how things are going to be, uh, you know, not the greatest. And that's when we get catastrophizing. Yeah. Yeah. I only just heard that term recently and I'm like, Ooh, classic Jill. <laughs> when the going gets tough, <laughs> that is classic Jill. And it's, it's a constant work in progress for me. Right. Um, what did I hear it referred to just this morning? Um, oh, hallucinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I was watching actually this like training video for coaching and this man was really stressed about his like pending divorce. And she's like, so you've been hallucinating about like what's going to happen in the future. He's like, yeah, essentially <laughs> you're just, you're just making shit up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the yeah. thing is like both uh, whilst one feels more like uh, real or more like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like it's going to come true. Like he was sitting there going like, oh my God, when I go to the court, it's going to be the worst thing ever. I got to see my ex, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Whilst that fear-based um future projecting feels more realistic he could have quite as easily chosen what if I get to choose to feel really amazing about this like finish line and this wrapping up and blah 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 you know really Mm -hmm. shifting it around so with manifesting one of the phrases I like to share is see it the way you want it so for so long let's like use money or even like health for for example people really actually had a client of mine um who shared, cause we were talking about identity and she was sharing, you know, I've always been the fat friend. Right. And so that was her identity. And so she's always been the fat friend or at least in her eyes. Right. And so that's become the identity. And so seeing it the way you want it, well, how would you like it to be different? You know, what would you like instead? And so with manifesting, it's, it's really calling into your reality consciously um, what it is you want. So, and it can be a lot of fun. It can be so, well, it's always so much fun. Um, So let's just say somebody is new to this. I wouldn't go like wild with it. And, you know, someone say, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars tomorrow. That's, that's like a splatter. I like to say stretch, don't splatter. So (laughs) I like that. (laughs) So maybe like somebody's new to this and they're like, you know what? Um, I would love to make an extra hundred bucks by the end of this month or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So like, first of all, write it down of like, I, and, and don't write it down in that I want to make, it's like, I have made an extra hundred dollars this month. So say it as if it's already passed. So ah. I've made an extra hundred dollars this month or yeah. in, you know, it could be applied to anything, relationships, health, work. Um, it could be like, I'm so proud of myself. I worked out three times this week or whatever it might be. Yep. Right. Right. As if it's happening now. And then with, with manifesting, I find it's like tried and true, 
good old um, affirmations. So right. because what you affirm about yourself is who you, who you will become. And if you don't affirm who you are, the world will do it for you. Uh, right. It's like the fat friend thing. <laughs> yep. It is. It's, it's yeah. your environment. It's, it's society. It's all of those things. Yeah. And so if coming back to the beliefs and the money blocks and that kind of stuff, it's saying, okay, if I am the woman who makes an extra hundred dollars in a week or the end of this month, uh, what does she believe to be true? Like tapping into that different version of yourself or that version of yourself that maybe I wouldn't say different, but just that untapped resource within yourself. Right. So it could be, okay. She believes that money is out there to help her. And she does believe that there is opportunity to make more money. And she does believe whatever, but you got to tap into that other identity, if you will, of who you are, what you believe to be true, how you show up um, as the woman, as simple as it might be, just, you know, who makes an extra hundred bucks that month and um, play with it. Funny thing is about money. It's never actually about the money. Yeah, that's right. Something else. Yeah. It comes down to self-love, self, self-acceptance, knowing you're worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because now it, like, I like to say it's spiritual to be rich. Like there's, I actually shared this last year as well. Um, which was a little manifesting hack is instead of thinking like, how can I get, you know, my next client or how can I get whatever it might be fill in the blank. I had a shift a little while ago where I realized like this whole getting thing, like, ain't working out like gets you in a really weird funk yeah right and so instead of thinking how can I get five thousand dollars this month or whatever it might be it's how can I give five thousand dollars worth of value into this world oh I like that how can I better serve that's I like that that's in your case point yeah when your ego was freaking out over a thousand like how can I give these thousand clients the most incredible experience ever this month Mm -hmm. and like I'm allowing myself to step into that now uh, one of my favorite sayings uh, is it's my time and I'm ready for the next step. I love that. So tell yeah. me like the rich woman philosophy, like you, I know on your social media, it's a lot of, I am a rich woman and that doesn't necessarily mean what's in your bank account. So I want yeah. you to explain to us what that means to you. You have these cute crew neck sweaters. that says rich woman. <laughs> yeah. And I, I see people posting selfies, wearing the sweater and saying, yeah. I am owning this. because of the work I've been doing. So just explain that to us a little bit. What does it mean? Because when you walk into somebody at the grocery store, it's like rich woman on her sweater, you know, you're going to get your, your work colleague that says must be nice. (laughs) So (laughs) explain that to us a little bit. Yeah. And I really love it to give a little backstory, even like back in 2016, when I decided to call my business, the rich woman, I was really scared because I, I remember like sitting on my coaching call with my coach being like, do you think it's okay? And she was like, Oh my God. Yes. Like go for it. And I was like, okay. Cause I was really worried that one people would think I was just this person about like material things and just get all the money and that'll make you happy. And that's not what I was about. So I was, I was really worried that it would go in the wrong direction. Right. But what I love is that it really went in the right direction, which what I wanted was, um, and when actually my a coaching friend of mine shared a best the other day, she said, she's like, I feel like what you do is help people become rich in soul, rich in spirit, rich in mind, rich in bank account, like wow. all the riches. And I'm like, yes, that's what I'm about is like the holistic, rich life that we get to live. Um, because there's a quote from Tony Robbins. I believe he says success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. 
Oh boy, that is awesome. I, I yeah. honestly can't imagine. And I know there's, there's many, there's billions of business people in the world and entrepreneurs in the world that are driven by money and that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. But I can't imagine, um, doing work that I'm not passionate about. I yeah. had several career changes over the years and like, I just can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. If I'm, if, if there's no fire inside of me, I just can't do it. I'm not the type of person that can put one foot in front of the other and just shuffle down to retirement. I just can't do it. Yeah. And that's why like in the bio, you said like, I'm here to like help people grow their income and their impact. Yeah. Cause so often some of the work, like the work that I do with my clients is kind of like reviewing, if you will, what, what they are doing in their, in their work lives and their career and just going, what lights you up? Like what fills your soul? And like, let's stop doing the things that you're like, Oh, I hate doing this thing. Like, no, that's not what I'm about. I'm yes. I want you to financially, you know, support yourself and your family. But if you're doing that and you're burning yourself out and you're miserable, like I'm not Mm -hmm. like, that's not what I'm about. That's not the rich woman life. Yeah. And so I, I love how we've started this kind of movement or I don't know what you want to call it of like, um, I feel like we're like closet rich women, like coming out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, it's that whole empowerment piece. Like we don't need to hide behind our successes anymore. Right. Yeah, you don't exactly. Need, you don't need to struggle alone, but you also don't need to hide behind your successes. We should each and all be proud of what we've accomplished and what we've yet to accomplish. It reminds me of, I was going to actually write a book on this. Maybe I still will, who knows, but it reminds me of when I went to Halifax a few years ago, I went out, I was, I asked to go there to do a a workshop. So typically before my workshops, I like to go out for a little walk and just kind of clear my head, get centered, like, you know, ramped up, ready to go. And so I was out on like the Harbor, um, like that, you know, downtown Halifax walking along the ocean there. And I saw this little girl like running around. She's probably like, I don't know, maybe three or four years old. And she had this t-shirt on that said, it's cool to be me. Oh, I love that. Right. (laughs) And I was like standing there. I was like, oh my God, never. Like if you or I, or like a grown adult had a t-shirt on that said, it's cool to be me as adults, we would probably like, look at them and be like, who do they think they are? Like how full of themselves or whatever. And I thought I'm actually sitting here thinking new merch item, new (laughs) merch item (laughs) coming in hot. (laughs) Right. And I thought like, I want to write a book called it's cool to be me. And like sharing about people, like empowering themselves, like owning what they are. Cause like this little girl, I was just like, you go girl, like rock that t-shirt. It was so cute. That is awesome. And I'm like, what is that point in our lives where we like make that switch? We're like, yes. no, I got to hide. No, I can't, you know, embrace yeah. my six bills. No, no, I can't claim that for myself. So I feel like the rich woman, like crew sweaters that have been making their way around town are like starting that kind of next level of like embracing. No, I am a rich woman. It doesn't mean just financially, it's all things. And like, I'm going to embrace that and claim that as part of who I am. I love it. It's bold, but it's bold yeah. in all the right ways. Like it's yeah. like you said, you're making an impact. It's, I think it's awesome. I think <laughs> it's awesome. So yeah. I think like, um, we we've drawn a lot of parallels here between your work and my work in a lot of ways, because it comes with taking care of yourself better. It comes with facing the hard stuff head on and, and just trying to do, um, do what's best to improve our lives every day, bit by bit. So yeah over on my side here, we talk a lot about self-care and the importance of self-care and and not necessarily a face mask and a glass of wine, but, um, taking care of hard things like, uh, stopping with the avoidance behavior, stopping, as you said, stuffing the bills in a drawer and trying to forget about them, that kind of stuff. Yeah. We, we talk about all that here. And then we talk about 
different ways to reward um, yourself in certain circumstances where I, I am away as far away as possible from diet mentality and diet culture. I don't like it. I think it creates more problems than, than allows people for a healthy life of wellness. So I feel like um, instead of us eating so restrictively all week and then allowing ourselves a treat of food, there are many ways to treat ourselves. We can treat ourselves with a hotel stay. We can treat ourselves with a purse. We can treat ourselves yeah. with a long walk in the woods. We can treat ourselves with a date night. There's so many different yeah. ways to do that. So before we close off here today, <laughs> I want to know, because you said at the top of this discussion that you prioritize fun when it comes to your money and spending. So tell yeah. me what would be if you could go out today and three things that you could purchase just for Emily, not for uh, Emily's baby in her belly, not for <laughs> Emily's husband, not for Emily's yeah. sister. What would be yeah. your top three fun, fun money purchases today? Uh, they would be experiences. So like I'm dying to get out on a whale watching tour. I saw a, a friend of mine posted her video anyway. So I'm dying to do that. I love going out to dinner with friends. Like that lights me up. What would be mm-hmm. the third thing? And you know what? you know, I do like a good little like fashion purchase. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I feel you. I think it's one. the only one I'm not on board with you is the whale watching. I could puke thinking about it. I really, (laughs) Jill does not do boats. (laughs) And I'm wondering, I'm like, okay, it's prego Emily. Like, can I do boats? But we'll see. Um, green just thinking about it (laughs) even just yesterday. Cause like, I'm, I I have this new goal that I'm working towards and it, you know, just allowing myself to celebrate it because it's, it's coming along quite well. And, Yesterday, I just felt inspired to go purchase a few new pieces of clothing for myself, especially even like as a pregnant woman, I, I, this is kind of going on a tangent or like a side note here, but like, no, no, our bodies are changing so much that we really need to honor them and mm-hmm. like love them. And cause obviously you don't fit into clothes and that kind of stuff. So I think that's one of the biggest disservices to women is that we do not, we are unable to embrace our changing bodies. So mm pregnancy is a great example of that. Also pandemics are great examples of that. (laughs) Bodies change over time. And if you went out yesterday and you got yourself some clothes that made you feel good, then what's wrong with that? If the clothes doesn't, you know, the body shouldn't fit the clothes, the clothes should fit the body. Exactly. (laughs) So I love that you did that and you're embracing your beautiful baby belly. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I did to treat myself a little yesterday. So nice. Well, thank you for sharing all this wisdom with us. This was awesome. And I'm glad that you and I've got to really chat instead of just being in each other's DMS here and there, just yeah. enjoying each other's content. <laughs> so yeah. I'm really glad to learn from you today. And I think everybody here will learn a lot from this discussion too. Yeah. Thank you. I love it. Thank you for being here. So if people want to check you out, what are your handles? How do we find you? My handle on the Instagram is Emily King co CO as in coach. And same thing on Facebook. And then, yeah, you can hit up my, my websites, theritualman.ca or emilyking.ca. They'll both take you to the same place. For, oh, I like um, that. Yeah. <laughs> King, AKA the rich woman. That is yeah. beautiful. Both take you there. <laughs> and yeah, they can. And if your audience is listening, like DM me, I'm in my DMs. I'm not like, I'm not a stranger, you know, message me with your takeaway or whatever. Like I'm an open door over here. So come on in, say hello. Perfect. Yes. I hope we get lots of feedback on this one because it was a really unique conversation and I really enjoyed it. Thank thank you you. so much. You take care of you and we'll catch up again soon. Yes. Thanks.
Thank you, my friends, for listening in again today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a positive rating and review. It's so very helpful. Remember, sharing is caring. So sharing the For the Well of It podcast on your favorite social media platform is so very appreciated. I promise to keep it real and continue to inspire you for the well of it. <laughs>